Welcome back to the Rooted in Christ podcast. My name is Eric Stevens, and I'm the founder of Redwood Christian Ministries. Hope everyone out there is doing well today. I want to take some time to share some exciting news that's going on here at Redwood. In August 2023, we're going to take a missions trip to New Orleans and partner with Ravens Ministries International. We're going to feed and minister to the homeless, help tutor kids in the local school district, hold street evangelism on Bourbon Street, and work with their Adopt-A-Block program to repair damaged homes in their neighborhood. Whether you would like to be a part of the team and join us on this trip or make a donation to support our efforts, all you need to do is click the link in the bio or the comment section for more details and information. I want to take this time to thank you in advance for all your prayers, support, and encouragement. We really do appreciate it. On today's episode of the Rooted in Christ podcast, we are going to share a sermon I preached at New Life Church in Lakewood, Ohio called Faithful in Gratitude. My text for this sermon can be found in Luke 17 verses 11 through 19. I want to take this time to encourage you today that if God woke you up today, he has a plan and a purpose for your life and he is not finished with you yet. Make sure you give God thanks for another day. You very well could be walking in the blessings that used to be your prayer request. Be blessed, be encouraged. You know, when Bob asked me to preach, I said, you know, Lord, what do you want me to, to talk about? And I quickly realized that there is never a bad time of the year to talk about gratitude and the things that we're thankful for. Especially during this time of year. Especially during the holiday season, the Christmas season, you can feel the miracles in the air. It is never too late or too early to just say, God, thank you for what you're doing in me and through me. And thank you for all the things that you've given me. So as we get ready to open up our text today, I want to go ahead and pray for God's word. But we're going to talk about faithful gratitude today. So just keep in mind, God, what have you done for me? Thank you for all the things you've done for me. And thank you for all the things you're going to do. Let's pray for God's word. Father, I just want to thank you right now. I want to thank you for everyone in this building and everyone at the sound of my voice. I thank you that we're going to leave transformed that we're going to leave differently than, than the way we walked in the door, Father. I thank you for your word. I thank you that it is alive. I thank you that it is going to just do exactly what you called it to do, Father. I want to thank you this is about you and not about us, Father. So I just pray for more of you and less of ourselves. I thank you that we are more than conquerors and that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We just pray and ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Eric Stevens. I'm the outreach pastor here. I'm, uh, it's a blessing to be up here again. But before we get started, I just wanted to show you what the few definitions I found of the word gratitude. A feeling of appreciation or thanks. The other definition I found, the quality of being thankful, readiness to show appreciation for, and, returned, and a return to kindness. It's not just enough to be thankful. It's not just enough to feel it. We have to show it. And in Luke 17, 11 through 19, and I'm going to read out of the ESV, we're going to hear a story about how Jesus healed 10 lepers. He healed 10. One came back. I call that one the tithe. Okay. Well, we won't use that joke next time. It's fine. It's totally fine. I didn't expect, I didn't expect them all to work. Okay. 
I'll try harder on my next one. Um, so Luke 17, 11 through 19. I'm going to go ahead and read this. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers, who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. See, part of the reason when we read this story and we hear, and we hear this, this miracle, we might miss it. Because we don't, we don't hear about leprosy today. This is not something you hear a lot about in the United States today. So this was a skin disease that deteriorated and deformed skin. It also damaged the nerve heads and nerve endings in the body. So these individuals also didn't feel pain. So they could get hurt or could get wounded and not even realize it. They could possibly bleed in and not even know. Leprosy was highly contagious. So if you had leprosy in Jesus' era, they had strict protocols around this. Basically, you were exiled to a, a, an outer part of the town or an outer part of, of the community. If you were married and you had leprosy, you had to say goodbye to your husband or your wife or your kids. You could have no contact with anyone. So see, this was the path to just a physical death. But it wasn't just a physical death. It was a social death and a cultural death because they were exiled. They had to build their own communities. They did their own farming. They literally were just making the best of the situation that they can. They formed their own network because they had to be casted away from society. And see, based off Levitical law, if you had leprosy, if you were coming near anyone, you had to announce yourself by screaming, unclean, unclean, I am not well. See, these folks were being identified by their pain. Let me put this in a different perspective for you. Picture walking up and down Detroit or the streets you live on, just announcing all of your sins, announcing all of your weaknesses, announcing everything that God has just delivered and set you free from, announcing every single mistake, having to announce why you went to the doctor last week, having to tell people what the prognosis was. Their main identity was in their state of illness. Their main identity was in their solitude and just being alone. See, when most people saw lepers, they moved as far away as possible because, again, the disease was so contagious. This is why I tell people to follow the example of Jesus because Jesus always went first. Jesus always set the tone of how we're supposed to interact and deal with people. Jesus didn't walk around this village. It says he went to them. Whereas everyone else tried to avoid and go around, he went straight to the heart of the problem. He dealt straight with the matter. 
He dealt straight with every issue, and he didn't shy away from it. He saw an opportunity to show people the love of God. He saw an, he saw an opportunity to glorify God through this miracle and through this act. How many of us in here are grateful that Jesus saw us when nobody else did? There we go. There we go. He saw past the illness, and he saw, okay, there's a need here. Jesus always found himself in the proximity of people who were sick, in the proximity of people who were in need. This is why I tell the church, this is not a, culture, this is not a, a country club for Christians. This is a hospital for the sick. This isn't just a place that we come to hang out. This is a place where we come to grow and heal and be made whole and figure out exactly what God is calling each one of us to do. There's a reason why we're called the body of Christ, because we need one another and we function as a unit together. See, no matter how long we live, we're all going to experience pain on some level. Why not look for the gratitude in our circumstances? See, there's hope in that pain because the Bible says the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Jesus was near them and he got near them. He showed us how to treat hurting people. He didn't just say, here's two scriptures, call me in the morning. Okay? He walked to their pain. You're going to find out real quick I'm not a doctor. Okay, if you haven't figured it out already. See, he asked him to take a step of faith, and this started when Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. Because in this culture, only the priest could deem you clean. If you had leprosy and if you were able to be put back into society, only the priest could say, you were healed, you were made clean, you may go back into society. Jesus told them, as you go, you will be healed. He didn't heal them before they went. He said, go, and you will be healed. He asked for a step of faith. How many know that sometimes when God's going to do a work in your life, it takes faith? How many of you know that in the midst of your circumstances, you may hear that inner voice, that still voice that says, do you trust me? Their obedience produced a miracle. And see, we see this all throughout the Bible where obedience produces miracles. This is another reason why I tell people I could not have been Moses. We're going on a journey. Just, just bear with me here. When Moses got to the Red Sea and God told him, lift up your staff, if I would have been Moses, I might have said, Psst. God, you may not know this, but the Egyptian army is right there. We might need a better plan than holding up a stick. I wouldn't have made it to the Old Testament. Couldn't have been Joshua. Because when they got to the Jordan and it was a flood stage, and if you don't know what flood stage is, it's when you see a river, but the car is like floating on top of it. Okay. When he told him, just put your feet in, I would have said, God, it's me again. Do you remember the Red Sea? Can you part it and then I'll put my feet in? I'm not good at the Old Testament, okay? <laughs> I wouldn't have made it. I wouldn't have made it. No. We be obedient. He does the miracle. We do the possible. He does the impossible. 
at the end of myself, that is where God is. This does not rest on me, and I need to remember that this does not rest on me because in my strength, I can do nothing apart from him. See, when God speaks, we obey. That's where the miracle starts. I'm going to ask you guys a lot of questions today, but one of them, where is the next step of obedience for you? Where is God asking you to be obedient in your life today? That miracle that you need might just be on the other side of your obedience. That miracle that you're looking for might just be on the other side of you doing exactly what Jesus is asking you to do. That miracle might be on the other side of you just doing the exact opposite of what your flesh is telling you to do. See, 10 out of 10 were all healed. They were all in for the healing. Once they got it, one came back. See, we can't, for, we can't just get the blessing and then forget about the praise. We have to linger in our thankfulness a little bit more. We have to take note of the things that God has done for us and delivered us from. We have to be thankful for the yes and the no. Because some of the things God said no to was the best thing for us. I'm sure the nine were ready to, to get back to society. I'm sure they're not ready to get back to their families. I'm sure they were ready just to get back to work. But when we get what we were looking, when we get what we were asking for, we have to stop and celebrate that victory and be thankful to the one who gave it to us. See, the Samaritan had an encounter with the high priest. Before he went to the priest, he turned back around and said, Jesus, thank you. See, Jesus healed all 10 of these men physically. They settled for the, nine of these men settled for the transactional physical healing. The Samaritan knew, yes, I'm healed, but I need a relationship with the one who did the healing. The healing wasn't just a blessing. It was the healer the Samaritan went back to. So I read this out of the, out of the ESV in the ESV, that word here is well. In the King James Version, that word says made whole. In the Greek, that word whole means sozo, salvation. His thankfulness saved him. His thankfulness put him at the right hand of the Father. His thankfulness delivered him, prospered him, protected him, and he was made whole. He knows where he's spending eternity because of an act of gratitude. See, we all could be carrying signs around with all of our sins on it. I'm grateful we don't have to do that. We all could be carrying signs around with our biggest mistakes and our shortcomings. That's why the miracle is one thing, but getting to know the person who did the miracle is something completely different. See, I don't want to focus on what the nine did not do. I want to focus on the one. When was the last time you went back to the feet of Jesus? When was the last time you went back to the feet of Jesus and said, thank you for what you've done? Thank you for what you're going to do. See, this brings me to one of my, my first point here. As you go, 
don't forget Jesus who sent you. We don't want to take God for granted because we need to be grateful for the one who sent us. Because without the one who sent us, there is no miracle. I did a, a, a quick survey on uh, Facebook and Instagram. I asked some people, what are you grateful for? Because this starts in the mind. Our confessions. What are you grateful for? Here's what some people said. God's saving grace. A genuine relationship with God. Jesus in the cross. New Life Church. I'm so happy y'all clapped at that. That's good. I'm glad y'all glad to be here. It's phenomenal. Next up was pets. We went from Jesus and the crucifixion to Fluffy. I don't know, but I'm just telling you what this says. Family and heat in the wintertime. We live in Ohio. I get cold very easily. I'm glad somebody said this. Okay. But the question here is, what are we thinking about? What are we thinking about, and then what are we verbally confessing with our mouths? See, some of you heard me say this before. Have you taken any of the classes that I've taught? Part of my daily prayer in the morning, every morning, God, use me today. Use me to serve today. Use me to make a difference in someone's life today. Use me to be a blessing today. Use me to lead someone to Christ today. And after I say some of those things, I usually follow that up with three to five things that I'm grateful for. Thank you that I have a, a car to get to work. Thank you that I have a family. Thank you that I have a church family. Thank you for my health. Because these types of prayers position our heart to get off of ourselves and focus on the one who can do the healing and change all of our circumstances. Because if you're anything like me, as soon as you wake up, your mind is gone. You've got text messages, emails, phone calls to return, social media notifications, whatever, whatever your situation is. I immediately start my day by stopping and just thanking God and asking him to use me in a way that he sees fit for that day. Because I want his plan before I walk out the door that day. Because see, here's what I know. We're all flawed human beings, and what we think about we're eventually going to practice. So this is why when people try to trip me up in, in doctrine and tell me the Bible contradicts, contradicts itself, I say, no, the Bible doesn't contradict itself. The Bible is contrary to how we choose to live. The Bible is contrary to our thought process and our flesh. The Bible is telling us a better way to live and calling us to live by a higher standard, and sometimes we just don't like that. That's the Bible. It's not a message of comfort because there's no way the crucifixion was comfortable. Okay, this is not a, this is not a, the Bible's not there just to make us feel good, but it does tell us to praise him in all things, which is why we have to feed the right things. We have to change the way we talk to ourselves. Are we grateful that I'm not in control? Or do we grumble at that lack of control and try to take control of our circumstances? Do we accept the fact that God's ways is not our ways? I'm gonna say that differently. Do you believe that your lack of control is God's sovereign control? This is why it's important that we remember who sent us. 
Because the person who sent us wouldn't send us without instruction. The person who sent us would not send us to a place where his grace didn't go before us before we even got there. God is not going to send you to a place where God is not going to look out for you. He's not going to send you to a place where his grace isn't going to cover you. So I have to ask God, tell me what to do. Because you've already given me what I need. So before I go to man to find out what I need, God, tell me what I need. See, God is the only person who's been in your tomorrow, so he's the only person who knows what you're going to need when you get there. We have to go directly to the source. Do I truly believe that God will never leave me nor forsake me? Will I truly believe that no weapon formed against me will prosper? Do I have the faith to believe that God is faithful to complete the work he started in me? If you can say that, then you have the faith to do the next step, which is go back. We can't be all about God's gifts and not be about God's glory. Because if we're all about what we're getting, it's going to turn into pride. It's going to turn into a false sense of confidence. It's actually going to start to separate you from the Father. Because when you just give, 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 and there's no gratitude, your heart condition is not positioned right. We can't forget the provider when we get what we ask for. But if you turn your blessings into praise, you can fight off that pride. See, gratitude requires practice. So see, I don't worry about having the best of everything. I worry about doing the best of what God has already given me. So having a grateful heart is not the question. Do I have grateful habits? Is my gratitude habitual? When I get something, am I saying thank you? When I get something, am I using it for his honor and for his glory? So we have to speak forth these blessings we have to speak forth the things that God has done in our lives to remind us that we had nothing to do with this. So those of you who may not know me, um, before I came to the Lord, my life was a mess. I had so many addictions between drugs, alcohol, violent nights out. I was a mess. I thought I was getting what I wanted. I thought I was having fun. I thought the hangovers were worth it. I thought the drugs were worth it. I thought the fist fights and the high fives were worth it. I thought the running from the police was worth it. It was so much so, I found myself sitting on my own couch with my own gun to my head, saying, I don't want to live anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. Thank God Jesus stepped in and said, Eric, you need to go. Thank God Jesus stepped in and said, I have something I need you to do. See, this is why people will never convince me that Jesus is not the Son of God and God is not real. Because at this point in my life, I'm standing here preaching to a room of overcomers and I'm not even supposed to be here. So, when I was in control of my life, look at where I was. When God's grace shined on my life, look at where we are now. Because this isn't about me. Because when it was about me, 
I went deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Thank God for Jesus to pull me out. We have to ask ourselves, are we now walking in the very blessings that we used to be our prayer requests? Because if you are, thank him. If you're away in a miracle and a breakthrough, thank him because it's coming. See, I'm not telling you to praise God for the bad doctor's report or praise him for the illness or praise him for the pain that you're in, but I am telling you to praise him for what that pain is going to produce. And it's going to be the fruit of God, and I'm telling you right now, he is going to use it for his glory. Everything that you are going through in this season right now is for where he's going to take you. Everything that you're going through right now is for what he's going to do in your life at some point in time down the road. Because if the only reason God allowed it is because he's going to use it. That's why it tells us to give him thanks in all things. If it didn't serve his purpose, he wouldn't have allowed it in your life. So if you're in the valley right now, start praising him for the mountaintop. Change your confession. Praise him for the good things that's going on in your life. We don't have to feel grateful to be grateful. We don't have to feel grateful to act grateful. Sometimes we need to just push past how we feel and just put certain things into practice with intentionality. If you don't practice gratitude with Jesus, who's all loving, you're going to have a hard time practicing gratitude with the people who are sitting next to you or who you work with or who you see in the grocery store. Faith will get you started. Faithful will keep you going. Faith will get you started, but faithful will push you past the hurt. Faithful will push you past the circumstances. Faithful will push you past that thing that you're just like, God, I hate this. But I'm going to find a way to relate to you in my suffering because I know you suffer too. In all things, I'm going to praise you. This brings to my third point here, that gratitude shifts our focus. Because see, whatever we focus on, we magnify. And whatever we magnify, we focus on. So if I focus on the bad, I'm going to magnify the bad. If I magnify the bad, I'm now focusing on the bad. And so on and so forth and so on and so forth. And it's a vicious cycle. Unless what you focus on is something godly. Unless what you focus on is something positive. So instead of complaining on my ride to and from work that I have to be stuck in rush hour traffic, God, thank you that I have a job to pay the bills. Thank you that I have a safe vehicle to get to and from. Thank you that I have enough time to sit in this car stuck in traffic to pray, to call somebody I love, to see how my mother's doing, to see how my aunt's doing, just to do just to anything else. Because when you focus on those things, when you focus on the good, now you can magnify the good. Now you can magnify something that's praiseworthy. Because see, everything is fighting for our attention every day. And if you focus on the bad, that's where you're going to sit. But see, gratitude yields godly contentment. I stress godly contentment because what is content in this world is not godly contentment. Because it's always moving, it's always changing. God is the same.
When you focus on godly contentment, you have contentment in your soul because gratitude postures your heart into the right direction. It gets your focus up instead of looking all around and looking inward and saying, woe is me. See, gratitude invites God's presence and gives me God's peace. So see, I'm going to end this here just as a recap of the Samaritan man. He was unclean. He was exiled. Completely disengaged from society. Away from everyone. Identified only by his illness and his weakness. Jesus told him to go. In his going, he was healed. I cannot stress enough, he did not heal him before he went. He told him to go and he was healed. This man turned around, came back to give thanks, and was made whole. He remembered Jesus, he obeyed Jesus, and he thanked Jesus. I don't know about you, but ever since I've been following the Lord, I've never felt so free in my life. I don't feel weighed down. I don't feel restricted. I don't feel in bondage. I'm glad I'm no longer in control of my life because we already messed this up once, so let's not mess this up again. The Samaritan man cared more about the source of the healing than the healing itself. Let's be like the one. I would encourage you to put this into practice today. Simple thing to do today. If there's someone you're grateful for, tell them. Make the phone call, send the text message, write the letter, do whatever you got to do, tell them. Do yourself a favor because you're going to be doing them a favor. A lot of times we get stuck in this habit of only talking to people when we want something from them or when we need something from them. Call them just to say thank you. Call them just to see how they're doing. But if you are grateful for somebody in your life, be sure to tell them today. It's these little acts that build strong habits. It's these little acts that move mountains. That small act of gratitude can mean the world to someone else. So I want to encourage you, let's be like the one. As we conclude, I wanna, I wanna close in prayer right now. So you guys just close your eyes and bow your heads for me. Because see, none of this would be possible without Jesus. Nothing I mentioned today, I did on my own. Nothing I stated today I could do without the saving grace of the Lord. And if you've never felt the gratitude of Jesus and the wholeness of accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, do not walk out of here today without doing that. If you've never surrendered your life to Christ, I want to tell you, walk out of here today having that done so you know, like this Samaritan man, where you're going to spend eternity. Just say this in your own words to Jesus. This is between you and him. Father, I just thank you for today. I thank you for your word today that is alive and just growing in us, Father. Lord, we have missed the mark. We've fallen short of, your, of what you've asked us, Lord. I'm a sinner, Father. I just ask for your forgiveness, Lord. Please come into my heart and just 
Make me whole, Father God. Make me whole, Lord. I surrender my life to you, Lord. Show me the way that is your way, Father. And give me the grace to turn back and say thank you. We just pray and ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.